0: 3. That was a beautiful, beautiful worship. Thank you guys. Um, so 1 John chapter 3. Uh, this is kind of a if we're gonna start in verse 10. And it is a connection to last week's message. And last week's message, uh, we talked about one of the evidences of true salvation is a desire uh, to be righteous, a desire to do things right. Um, one of the examples of my life was uh, I got saved when I was 19, and um, without anybody telling me, uh, my filthy mouth bothered me. You know, whether I would uh, use cuss words, never bothered me through high school, beginning of college. When I became a Christian, all of a sudden something told me it was not, I shouldn't use them. And so there was a change. The Bible says add to your your faith virtue. And so verse 10 of uh, 1 John 3 finishes that when it says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. So let's look at that first part for a second. In Genesis 3.15, God is talking to the serpent. And he tells the serpent, that I'm going to put enmity or a wall of separation between your seed, serpent, and her seed, Eve. And so we understand that there are two seeds. We are either of our father, God, or as John 8:44, when Jesus is addressing the Pharisees who are claiming that God is their father in John 8. And Jesus says to them, if God was your father, you would obey him but you want to kill me. Therefore, you are of your father, the devil. John 8, 44. So therefore, Jesus also says, if you are not for me, you are against me. So while you might not be an outward Satan worshiper, if you are not worshiping Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you without even knowing it, have come under the umbrella of the father the devil. And so in this verse it makes it clear they are the children of God and the children of the devil. And here's how they are manifest. Here's how you will know. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. This is very simple. Now I know for a fact that I am born again. I know that I am a Christian. I know it. The change in in my inner man that you can't see is obvious to me. I'm a new creature. Something is different. However, there are times with this sinful flesh that I'm in. We talked about this last week. Paul even said the things he doesn't want to do, he does. But I understand that when I am disobedient or unrighteous, I am no longer obeying my Lord and Master Jesus Christ, but I am coming under the rule of my sin and the rule of the other side, which is Satan's realm. Does that make sense? However, there will come a time when that part of me will be washed away completely in my glorified body in heaven in which I won't have that wrestling. We understand that? That was kind of a a little recap of last week. So there's another way. He is manifested... Whoever does not practice righteousness, nor is he who does not love his brother. The Bible says they will know we are Christians by our love. The second manifestation or the second evidence of the Holy Spirit being in a Christian's life is love. Love for the brethren. Love for one another. And how we see Humans, how we see each other. I'm, I'm telling you, this is probably uh, the, the the moral change in my life was subtle, but the way I see human beings was the greatest change uh, in my in inner inner being, so to speak. Verse eleven says, "For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one." another Uh, when they came to God and Jesus and asked him what the greatest commandment was uh, do you remember his answer his answer was you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your might, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself he was actually quoting from Deuteronomy so this idea of loving your neighbor loving one another it's nothing new and that's how Jesus says in verse eleven, and that's how the Bible says you've heard this from the beginning. Also, turn if you will to John chapter thirteen. Now, John chapter thirteen, it's it's early, relatively, in the ministry of Jesus Christ, and in John chapter thirteen, verse thirty-four. He tells his followers, a new commandment I give to you. So in 1 John we're told you've had this message from the beginning. And now we'll go back to when it was a new commandment. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. The key there is do we love others? as Christ loved us. And this is when it becomes easier for you. It becomes easier for you when you understand or, or is real to you how much Jesus Christ loves you. Does anybody know what the Bible teaches as the greatest act of love? No greater love than this and a man lay down his life for a friend well jesus christ laid down his life for us while we were still sinners and so that act of love is to be not only our saving grace but actually the the pinnacle of example of the love of christ so we might tolerate others because that's what a good christian does but to love others is to see them through the eyes of christ that we can love them while they're still sinners. That is difficult to do because we're still sinners. So that love is more difficult. So let's continue. John thirteen thirty four says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I don't know if you've noticed this at all lately, but I'm kind of noticing society getting, I don't know, a little bit aggressive. (laughs) I've noticed there seems to be just a teeny little bit of division among our nation. We have to be careful as Christians that one of the greatest examples, in, in fact, the more chaotic it gets, the more you can shine as a light in darkness. The problem is, it's really hard not to get caught up in all of it. It's really hard not to get caught up in the politics of our nation. But remember, God has called us to be pilgrims. He's called us to be ambassadors for Christ. He's called us to be sojourners. Um, So we go to the polls and we vote as God directs us to vote, and then we go out and evangelize and love and encourage. But when you separate others, as I am hatred towards this group, hatred towards that group, I don't even want them. Do you remember? This wasn't part of it, but it just reminded me of Jonah. Do you know the story of Jonah? He was in the big fish. Why was he in the big fish? Because God told him to go talk to the Ninevites. And he didn't want to go. And he went the other way. And God threw him into a big fish. And he repented and God spit him out. And he went to the Ninevites and he preached to them repentance. And what did the Ninevites do? They repented. And he went to God and said, See, I knew that you were gracious and forgiving And this is what you were going to do. So we find out that it's not that he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was scared to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't want to give them the gospel because he was afraid they might repent. And then he'd have to spend eternity with these people. And he didn't want to. That is unacceptable in the realm of the body of Christ. And yet it is part of our human nature. And we have to guard against that. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, these are familiar verses to us. Verse 20, Jesus is speaking. Matthew five twenty. I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So he looks at his disciples and says, look at if you want to be religious like the Pharisees, look at religion tends to be pretty intolerant of sinners. And I'm not saying we tolerate sin, but our goal with sinners, remember Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. He was criticized for it. But remember, he's also the one who told the woman caught in adultery to go and do what? Sin no more. Jesus was, knew that sin was damaging to us. And so they went to him and said, how can you eat with these sinners? And he says, because the, the well do not need a doctor, but the sick. And so the lost need Christ. They need Jesus Christ. And so we have to be able to go to them. And the Pharisees did everything by the law. And they determine whether you were worthy, whether you did this or didn't do this. In verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, If you're angry with your brother without cause, shall be in danger of judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, or empty head, or idiot, or stupid or fool shall be in danger of the council but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. he says look at quit using Christianity in the same realm as the Pharisees in which they had no real passion or concern for others it was about themselves and their power and trust me That's what religion does. Christ is merciful. Christ is gracious. And Christ is here to seek and save that which is lost. But we are so busy only using Christ to fix our lives and get our lives back together. And it's all about us and our Christian walk and someday I'll be close to God when you are saved, your sins are washed away. Do you understand that? That you are one with Christ and you are secure in His hand. And God says, now go, as Larry preached this morning in Sunday school, be fishers of men. Go share what I've done with you. But God, I don't want to talk to that person. I don't want to talk to those people. I don't want to talk to that realm. And you're being exactly like Jonah was. Stay in Matthew 5 and look at verse 43. You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This is after, by the way, you trash them on Twitter or Facebook then you can go into the loving part of it. That you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even tax collectors do the same. If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. If your love is reserved only for those who love you back, and your love is only for those who you deem deserve your love, you are more prideful than Christ. You are uh, putting yourself above him. Christ was no respecter of persons. And you say, well, Jesus, I know you love everyone, but for me, they don't fit into my realm. They may be okay with you. And that is as prideful as you can possibly get. I read an illustration today. I thought it was an interesting when I read it this week. I thought it was interesting, although I I, I thought the point of the illustration was was different. There was a famous preacher. I'll tell you who it was. uh, J. Vernon McGee. J. Vernon McGee tells a story of him golfing. And he is golfing, and the group ahead of them is going very slow. And he thinking in his mind i wish these empty heads would hurry and rush and so he finally catches up to him on a, on uh, the, the hole and the person who's now limping you can see that they've got obvious physical ailments turns to him and says pastor mcgee oh i can't believe i get to meet you You've been such an influence on my Christian walk. Since my leg was injured in the war, I was really having struggles with my relationship with God and listening to your sermons changed everything for me. And I have come to, to grasp with what uh, happened to me. And I'm just so grateful to you. And I can't believe I get the chance to thank you. Well, how do you feel then? And then he says, would you Would you play the rest of the round with us? we'd be happy to you. So they're playing the rest of the round and all of a sudden from behind them they hear the next group going, hey, can you guys hurry up? If you don't know how to golf, get off the course. Do we get the point of that whole story? But But the point of the whole story was wrong because he said in the story, he says, I didn't realize he was one of my brethren. And I think, I don't think it matters, does it? It doesn't matter. When you get yelled at from behind, you understand how wrong we sound to make that prejudgment and not to love the world, not to want them to see Jesus, not to want them to know Christ. We're told in Matthew 5 to love our enemy. We'll go back to 1 John chapter 3, and here's the problem. As a Christian, you will now have a desire to, to, to bring others to Christ. And you will see people different. And you will go to those people and share with them Jesus Christ. And that will cause them to hate you more. And then you're wrestling with the fact of, Wait a minute, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to, to love you. I'm, I, look at, I, I'm a different person. I want to love you. But look what it says. Not to love as Cain, who was wicked one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. And from Cain and Abel we learn why. Cain murd- murdered Abel because he made him look bad. His righteous offering to God in Genesis 4... Was well, acceptable. Cain brought him fruits and vegetables, which was unacceptable. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. And he was angry, and he says, Why are you angry? Just bring me what's right. And I'll accept you too. See, here's where we don't want to cross the line. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Can I get a little teeny amen on that one? because it's the truth, right? And we can't change that message. That's not the kind of love that God is talking about. We don't want to love people so open-mindedly that we love them straight into hell because we don't tell them what the truth is. We want to help them. We won't. And so when we go to somebody and, and they're in need of a Savior and we say, well, you need to trust in Jesus. And they'll say, well, I believe in God. And your answer is, but you need Jesus. Well, I think all religions are fine. It doesn't matter which one you follow, as long as you follow one. There's a problem with that statement, do you see? And you will say to that person, well, the Bible teaches that Jesus says he is the only way, the truth, and the life. And you can't come to the Father unless you go through Jesus. Oh, so you're saying I'm going to hell? The Bible teaches that He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Well, you're pretty arrogant to think your church is the only church that has a right. And now you've made an enemy. And so what we tend to do is, well, no, 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 don't you're right. I guess all religions can be fine. You're right. I just that's just the way I believe. It's okay well, good, I'm glad we we can stay friends then. And you have power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And your tongue has brought death to that person. Do you see? By, by allowing them to believe there's another way to heaven except through Jesus Christ, your tongue has damned them and doomed them. But sharing the words of life will give them the opportunity. And it may take years for them to dwell on what you said, and they may be mad at you for years. Do you see? They may be. I was hurting a lot because someone's angry at me, and I was wondering why they... And it didn't make sense to me, and when I finally talked to that person, I realized, oh, it's more conviction than it is. It's more anger at God than it isn't me. And so truth is truth. Um, turn to John 7, 7. Jesus says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me. So when the world hates John 14.6 or John 3.16, that has nothing to do with you. You're representing the Father. And the Father says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Why? Because I testify that its works are evil. The world wants to sin. Men prefer darkness rather than light. It's that, go all the way back to your grade school or, or, or junior high. When you're getting ready to walk out of class and somebody says, uh, Mrs. Johnson, do we have any homework? And she says, oh, thanks for reminding me. Yes, yeah, so you've got page 13 and 14 you got to do. And then you walk out of class and all the kids do what? Why did you do that? Why did you shed light on this fact that now we got to do homework if we didn't know about it? And the world believes they can stand before God and go what? I didn't know. Nobody told me. And God says we are the, what? Light of the world. But men prefer darkness. So don't be surprised if this love you enter the world with is not received. It will not be. Put anything pro-Jesus on internet and you'll find out very quickly how the world receives him. Back to 1 John 3. We know, verse 14, that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. I'm telling you, there is a connection. And this is one of the the points J. Vernon McGee was trying to make with his illustration. Was that there's a connection with Christians. If you've ever met somebody that you didn't know and found out they were a Christian, that immediately connects you and bonds you through the Holy Spirit. Have you ever met somebody that you could tell they were a Christian even before you knew they were a Christian? You just knew there was this bond? Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. See, Jesus takes two major sins. One is adultery and one is murder. And he re-emphasized them in the New Testament. And he says about adultery, Men, if you even look at a woman... And fantasize in that manner, you have already committed adultery. If you hate your brother, it's already murder. You may not have committed the act, but within you is the, the, the sinful nature to do those things. Turn, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, um, this, by the way, I think is the most important verses we're going to read today. And I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we're going to look at verse 14. All right, I'll give you a second cuz these are the most important ones we're going to look at in my as this message is playing out in my mind. So, verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5. The love of Christ compels us. So, this is where you are different. This is not a message telling you to go out and love one another. This is the message telling you, if you're truly born again, you will see other people differently. You will see them through the eyes of Christ and have love for the unlovable. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died. If Jesus died for all, for God so love the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish. So all need Christ. Verse 15, He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. So what changes? I become a born again, the love of Christ compels me to share that with others, and I no longer live for self. Verse 16, the result of this is verse 16. Therefore, from now on, regard no one according to the flesh. Regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. And I remember sitting in Sparky's as a leader Right when I was a new Christian, it's the first ministry Liz and I ever did. And our job was to sit there and listen to the boys and girls say their verses from their little sparky books. And these kindergartners uh, saying these incredible, deep, theological verses about Jesus dying on the cross for sinners. And I started to get it. And I never understood it until it was explained to me on the kindergarten level. And that's been the story of my life. Keep it kindergarten level, I can get it. And I understood that God loved me while I was still a sinner. And I began to see every other person in the same boat as I was in. Lost, angry, depressed, misunderstood, hurting so deeply in the inside because of the illnesses of my brother and sister and all the things that were happening to me as a teenager. And I remember that it changed. That I look at no one according to the flesh. You're grumpy. You're angry. You're depressed. You're weird. You're whatever. And as I go around, I see me, 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 and all of those people. And I see Christ is the solution. And so if you look at them according to the flesh... You won't want to go. You'll be a Jonah. But if you look at them according to the Spirit of God, in the eyes of God, they are wandering lost sheep. And I have no idea whether they're ever going to come to know Christ or not. But I know they need the Word. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And Paul says, you know what? I'll be all things to all people. That I might win some. Whatever it takes. If you're weak, I'll be weak. If you're strong, I'll be strong. If you're Jewish, I'll be whatever I need to do to open up a conversation for you to hear the word. I'll do it because the love of Christ compels me. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things become new. And one of the main thing that changes is how you see other human beings, not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Turn, if you will, well, let's look at the last verse of 1 John 3, which is verse 16. And we'll close with this very simple truth. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. We are also to lay down our lives for the brethren. Romans 5. So Jesus gave us the example of all examples. Turn to Romans 5. And that example was this. I'm going to die on the cross for you. And then he says to us, if you're going to follow him, you must do what? Take up your cross and follow him. Which means it's not about me being respected. It's not about people loving me. It's not about people uh, thinking my religion. It's about... I might have to have somebody cuss me in my my face in order to to get the message to them. I might have to have some people uh, be offended by what I say in order to get that message out. But I'm not living for myself. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one might die, perhaps even for a good man one would dare to die but God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Philippians 2 14 do all things without complaining disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation We live in the middle of crooked and perverse people. And if that frustrates you and you look at anybody and you think in the back of your mind, I hope they burn. They're going to pay for this. They're going to burn for that. That has to change. It has to change to God save their soul. I am sure there are many people who wanted Saul of Tarsus to burn for what he did to them and what he did to their families and what he did to Stephen. And yet God says, no, 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 no. He's a chosen vessel of mine. Verse 16 of Philippians, of Philippians 2 says, Hold fast the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. You are in the middle of a perverse and wicked generation, but within this generation... Only you as the body of Christ hold in your hand the words that can change that life. The power of death and life are in your tongue. It's in this book. And God says, how are they going to hear without somebody going out and being sent to those people? But we are too many times, myself included, are like Jonah. And we say, well, not those people, not that group, They are anti-Christian. They. I don't want to go to them. I don't like them. Yes, that's who you need to go to because they have the greatest need. Uh, Gary said something in Sunday school class today that I thought was was really well said. It's the the idea that when we go out as fishers of men, you're looking for the fish. It's hard to find them. And he mentioned you may talk to, to, to 40 people and there might be only one there, one there that might respond and the other 39 might be cussing you out and, and, and spitting and snarling. We went to Mexico years ago and we were driving back to the church and as we were driving back to the church, these four uh, young men were playing soccer on this dirt ground And as we were driving by, they held up the inside of a soccer ball. It was just rubber, the black rubber part of it. And they were yelling, pelota, pelota, which means ball. And we knew that we had some soccer balls back at the church. And we went back, and the interpreter with us, a young man, this is one of the first years we ever went, he says, oh, they want a soccer ball. And we said, well, let them know we've got one. We'll bring it right back. So we bring it back, and the interpreter gets out of the van And goes to the boys gives them the soccer ball and just starts talking to them in spanish and i couldn't i didn't understand what he was saying two of the boys were rolling their eyes laughing giggling the other guy was just not even paying attention and then one young man was just crying you could just see tears started to go down his face and so he hands them the soccer ball then he takes the young man that was crying to the side you can see him putting his hand on his shoulder and praying with them. And then after a while he went back and and played soccer and he got back in the van and myself and Pastor Joe Lebeck was with me and we looked at him and we just said, what just happened? What did you say? What? And he says, oh, that, well, I just told them that this was a gift from the American church, but they bring a greater gift than this ball. They bring the gift of eternal life through Jesus, through their message and i just shared with them john 3:16 and john 14 6 and told them that they could give their life to jesus christ he would save them today and that would be the greatest gift they ever got and i could tell these guys over here were not paying attention but i knew i could tell in this guy there was something and so i camped on the side and i said hey i can tell there's something i've been compelled to talk to you and he says well he talked a story of his grandmother who's been trying to take him to church and that even last Sunday she came to pick him up and he hid in his closet so she'd think he wasn't home and he felt really bad about not going and he knows he's been running away from God and he's tired of running. And so, what was he doing? He is fishing. Alright, he didn't do very good. Three got away, but three weren't fish. They weren't sheep at that point in their life. But he could tell the one but it was his love to continue. You know, he could have went. Look, if you guys aren't going to stop laughing, you're not going to be quiet while I tell you this. Fine, here's your soccer ball. I hope you all go to hell if you're going to treat me that way. Wouldn't that? Isn't that what our flesh wants to do? But within that group, I was I was reading yesterday where Jesus is in, in John eight. He's going back and forth at the Pharisees, and yet. There, he's making no headway. And then one little verse says, But those who heard him around, be, many believed. So they're having this public debate. He could care less. He knows the Pharisees. They're their father, the devil. But the crowd around him was gathering to see what he's talking about, many of them were saved. You don't know what the crowd is. You don't know. God is going to try to... to, to to encourage you and Satan's gonna try to, to discourage you. And you're only gonna see the ones that, that that and don't be Jonas. Don't just go. Just go. Compelled by God. Heavenly Father, Lord, tough message. This is it's it's getting harder and harder to be able to even talk about Jesus without people being offended or triggered or whatever the word they use today is. That cannot stop us. The love of Christ should compel us to see no man according to the flesh. But, Lord, there are people like Nicodemus who, surrounded by these Pharisees, within his heart knows the truth of Christ, doesn't share it publicly, but he knows. Heavenly Father, we are needed to be light of the world. And we pray, Lord, if we're struggling with this issue, that, God, you would give us the love that only can come from you. Help us to see the world through your eyes and help us, Lord, to have some type of impact. In Jesus' name we thank you and praise you. Amen. May we encourage you to stand. We're going to close with Refiner's Fire and have the worship team come up at this time. is a great song to finish because there's a, there's a lot of lyrics in the songs about God changing us. Um, and there's a lot we have to do but we do not have the capability to do this it has to be from god so the the key to this is if you to draw closer to god if you are not a christian have never given your life to god if you're being drawn by the father and drawn by the holy spirit uh, you'll be so restless today the only way you'll be able to get rid of it is to say oh god i surrender i give my life to you as my lord and savior uh and then not only will you gain salvation but the holy spirit will come to you and you'll you'll be a different person you'll be changed um and we need to be changed don't we well we we can be some pretty self-righteous uh jonas and so we just need god to change us and so this song talks about this
1: Purify my heart, let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart, let me be as gold, pure gold, refiner's fire. My heart's one desire. Is to be Holy Set apart For you Lord I choose to be Holy Set apart For you My master Ready to do your will Pure Purify my heart. Let me be as in. (laughs) Sorry. Make me holy. Purify my heart. Cleanse me from my sin. Deep within. Refiner's fire. My heart's one desire. Is to be holy Set apart for you Lord I choose to be Holy Set apart for you My master ready to do your will Refiner's fire My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my Master, ready to do your will. Ready to do Your will. Ready to do Your will.
0: Let's bow our heads, close our eyes as we close, and that's that's a great song to be chosen by uh, the worship team. Just the idea of purifying our hearts—that's really what this message is about. The Holy Spirit has to change us to see people differently to look at no one according to a to the flesh to not see someone deserving of hell but to see a person in needing jesus christ that's that's a, a subtle change but it's the change that needs to be made so if you're struggling in any areas you just go to god and say these that prayer purify my heart change me lord i got a bad attitude towards these people i got a bad attitude towards this person i have a hatred in my heart remember it's murder to hate the brethren and it's wrong to not love the world and desire to see them come to Christ. We don't want to love the things of the world. But we want to love people enough to, to share the gospel with them. And so we need to change. If you don't want to change and you enjoy your anger or your prejudice or whatever it might be, then you are Jonah. You're just going to God and say, this is the way you want me to go. I'm going a different way. Just remember, it did not end well for him. God will compel you to do that heavenly father lord we need to be changed purified and then only comes through a relationship with you and a redirection of how we see the world lord through your eyes and not ours we live for you and not ourselves help us lord in jesus name amen god bless you kids you were really great tonight everyone but connor did a great job thanks kids
1: <laughs>